Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. We're here with another week of off-season content, this time another casting draft. We'll be drafting runner-ups, something that we've been looking forward to for a while, especially coming off of an all-winter season of Survivor. So I'm excited to be here, Ryan. I'm excited, too. This wasn't the winter season. This was the runner-ups. So maybe call it like second choice or whatever. But no, I'm excited to delve into some people who you know, coulda, shoulda, almost had the win in their games. So I'm excited. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree with that. We did have a casting draft a few weeks ago that was unfinished business, and I believe that we'll be seeing a lot of similar people tonight, but it definitely won't be exactly the same. Um, it just so happens that a lot of the people that we loved for unfinished business happen to also be runner-ups. But if we were to do a runner-up season like we're doing right now, you can leave some of those people out just because we drafted it for another draft. So you know, we'll try to get a good combination of people that were in that draft and people that were, you know, not in that draft. Oh, we have we, we have our first great comment here. Cole Pepper has to go first for Hef. I Hef if Hef was here right now, he he would absolutely love that. I I you know what I, I we're gonna have to tell him that that you made this comment, Solomon, after this because that that is great. We'll, we'll yeah, see if Cole Pepper right. does end up get if Cole Pepper doesn't end up getting drafted in this thing. Hef's gonna have some choice words for us. Yeah, Hef might disown us if we don't <laughs> take Cole Pepper at all in this draft. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think Dylan, you brought up a very good point where it's so hard with these drafts because you want to always have a fresh, new, diverse cast to analyze because we want to look at all of their games and all of the seasons. But just because of the theme in and of itself, there's a high probability of repeats and we try not to do repeats, but also you, you don't want to just force picks that don't make sense for you. If, if it fits the theme, you have to pick the person, but we also try to balance it with not having too many repeats. But again, always doing these drafts allows for a good combination of people. So I think it should be good regardless. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. And I'm really excited for this. I don't necessarily think that runners-up is anything that we'll ever see in Survivor. As a theme, you know, we never know. I think that if they were to do a theme like this, it would be more unfinished business where you get players who haven't necessarily been runner-ups, um, but have maybe been a fallen angel or you know, somebody who finished fourth, maybe. So I think that they would want to get a good combination of both of those rather than do solely runner ups, but you never know. And I think this is a pretty creative topic. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Do you want to go over our criteria for tonight's draft? Yeah, you, you could go, go for it. Sure. So uh, basically we had three main criteria for this draft. And then I kind of made my own separate criteria as well for my picks, but basically the three main rules for tonight is number one, they can't be a winner. Obviously, if they won the game, they're also not really considered a runner-up. Obviously, somebody that would fall into this category would obviously be Parvati Shallow for her amazing performance in Heroes versus Villains. But we kind of want to just have people who have been a runner-up but haven't won their season yet. So no winners are allowed. Uh, secondly, this is only second place because it's runner-ups, not second runner-ups. So if you were a third-place finisher, it's not eligible tonight, just the second-place finishers. And finally, um, if two people tied in the final three, they're eligible. So, for example, in uh, Heroes, Healers, and Hustlers, Chrissy would be eligible and not Ryan because Chrissy got two votes and Ryan got one. She was second, he was third. But if you look at, um, let's just say, Caramoa and with Dawn and Sherry, they both tied with zero votes. They're both technically tied for second, so they're both eligible. So those are the th three main rules tonight. No winners, second place, not third. But if you tied, then it's eligible. Um, and then otherwise, could have, should have won people who had a big role in their season and they affected the season or they had a big story.
Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head with all the rules. I think, you know, those are pretty good rules. I mean, I don't think that winners should be on a runner-up season, even if they've once finished second. You know, we're not going to see ever see Michelle or Poverty on a runner. I mean, well, not Michelle because she finished third, I should say. But Natalie or um, Natalie or Poverty, we're never going to see them on a runner-up season, a survivor, if there were to be one, because they were winners. Um, but, yeah, let's get to it. So who I'll, I'll go first this time since you went first last yeah, time. So, of course. all right. So with the first pick of our runner up draft, revenge of the runner ups, I am going to go with Amanda Kimmel. So Amanda Kimmel, somebody who we did have on our unfinished business cast. I don't know if she would ever return, um, but I hope that she, I hope that we do get to see her again eventually. Um, you know, definitely probably a top 25, top 20 player ever to play this game. Um, played in China and finished in third place, but then came right back in Micronesia the next season and finished in second. Uh, and then comes back here as villains, plays a pretty solid game, but finishes uh, what I believe eighth or seventh in that season. In uh, uh, here's villains. villains, yeah, I uh, placed it ninth. Ninth, okay, I was close enough. But uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, Amanda Campbell. I think that you know probably a lot of people's favorite one of the one of people's favorite runner-ups like ever so i i think she has to be a lot for this cast so first oh yeah pick, Amanda Kimmel, i mean again like jeff said at the finale of that season at the time she was only one of four people her sandra parv and russell to make it to the end twice and again that that was back in season 20 but for all the people that played the game up until that point that's a very impressive stat especially to do it in her case two back-to-back seasons amanda's very strong um, she's a really great triple threat, uh, strategically, socially, and physically. Um, and you know, I think she really could have won either China or Micronesia if she owned her game more. I think that that was her biggest problem that's constantly cited in the community that Amanda is a very solid player. No one would argue it, but she just needs to be more aggressive at the end and say, you know, I did this, I lied to to you because of this. And, I'm going to own the fact that I played this this game, and I think people would have given her more respect, especially against Parvati. Maybe be, beating Todd would have been harder, but I think if one or two votes went differently, Amanda would have won that season. And actually, a quick tie-in, um, Amanda is also strategic, not just because of some of her idol plays or because of what she did to James in China, but even in the challenges, she's very strategic in how she goes about some challenges. Peridium actually just put out a video today that I highly recommend people watch. I would love to do a... Uh, collaboration with Pridium someday, but he did he did a video today about um, five times people broke challenges, and essentially in both um, in a couple of Amanda's endurance challenges, she kind of twists the rules, and she actually ends up winning. So the, the challenge in China where they stack up the cups still in like the porcelain um, China cups, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she actually flips the cups upside down towards the end to give her structure more stability, and then in Micronesia the challenge where um, she beats three when they had to hold the uh, the pole in their hands. She takes mm-hmm. two rounds and goes underhanded to give her wrists a break and then goes back overhanded. So I think Amanda is obviously very um, social and uh, physical, but I think she's also more strategic than people give her credit for. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, technically by our rules, Amanda is, we're considering Amanda in third place for China, but second place for Micronesia. Yeah. But I easily think that she could have finished in second place in China. Like, I think that she definitely played a better game than Courtney um, in that. And, you know, if she if she had won China, now I know Todd played a great game, but if she had won China, I would not have complained. I thought she played a great game in China, obviously did the same in Micronesia. Now, something that Russell talks about on his shows a lot 
he talks about it on his YouTube channel all the time. It's people who have played so many times in a short period of time that they don't necessarily have enough time to reflect and change their game. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, like we said, Amanda played 15 and 16. So she did not get to see her play in in 15 before she went out there for 16. And she still mad. She still manages to finish runner up that season. Then she goes back out and here's villains finishes ninth. I wonder how she would change her game if she were to return. Now, I think that like people are saying in the comments, like you said, I think that maybe she would have a little bit more of that killer instinct and be willing to own her game a little bit more. And I think that that, you know, that's really what, what could push her over the edge in my opinion. Cause you know, those, you know, final tribal councils are so important and she's not great at them. Yeah. I would need to look up the stats. I actually wonder if she's the only player to play three times over the course of five seasons. I feel like that's re- a lot within a short period of time, well, but Russell, Russell did Oh yeah, sorry. Her and Russell three times within yeah. the last five seasons. But um, yeah, no, I think that's a great, great, great point. I think she could have maybe analyzed her game had she had more time in between. Um, but it's a great pick, honestly. I think Amanda was going to be one of my first picks. And to answer Adam's question in the chat, because I know some people may have joined after we started. So second runner-ups count if they tied. So basically, we're only doing second place uh, finishers. So either you got second or in the final three, you tied for second um, with somebody else. So that's kind of like the, that exact criteria. Yep. Um, right. Okay. Next pick. Next pick. I have to go with a chalk pick here with uh, Dominic. I think when you think of a runner up season or a second chance season, I mean, he, again, with the runner up, he came as close as he really could have gotten. And uh, I just think Dominic was a really great uh strategic player in ghost island i think people argue that wendell made better bonds with the jury and dom may have been a bit you know showy with his game but i just think that he really was in charge of a lot of some of the votes there and i think i think the art of bluffing is so good in survivor it's one thing to lie to someone's face and say i'm not voting you out but then you vote them out but to kind of bluff with the tools you have i think is the mark of a really great player and he did that amazingly at the final six with sebastian and i just also think that you know he can't give himself too much flack for not putting himself into fire. I know we always talk about, do you make the ballsy move and go into fire to take out the biggest threats? But if it builds up in your face, you end up fourth. So I don't think he can, you, you can't get on his case for that. I just think Dominic, we talked about him a lot before, but I think he's a really well-rounded player. I just fear that if he came back in a season, he would be a huge threat unless he comes back in a season like this where he's surrounded by big threats. Yeah, I mean, Dom, obviously, you know, one of one of my favorites of all time. Um, I thought he should have won Ghost Island, not taking anything away from Wendell. Like, Wendell winning was obviously a fine outcome. They did most of their stuff, most of their moves together. Um, and I think Wendell's still a good winner. But I would have been, you know, extremely happy had Dom won as well. Um, yeah, Dom's great. Like you said, he reversed the curse with that idol slash fake idol completely perfectly. And, you know, that's, you said it's a mark of a great player. We've seen Tony pretty much do that every single time he's been on about bluffing about idols, fake idols, a bunch of stuff like that. And, you know, if anybody way back when, before I'm sure some of you guys even watched us, we did have Dom on as a guest. Uh, It was at the very beginning of winners at war. And I highly recommend that if you love survivor, I'm sure if, you know, if you're watching this right now, you do, if you love survivor and love Dom, be sure to go back on our YouTube channel and watch some of that video because, Dom, we, you know, we spoke to Dom about winners at war and Wendell, but we also spoke to Dom about just the game of survivor. And he could talk for hours upon hours upon hours about the strategy and everything that went on out there. He's so knowledgeable, so smart. 
And I think that if he does go on again, he could do really well if he get that target off his back. Yeah, I completely agree. And actually Solomon in the chat brought up something that we've mentioned a couple times, actually, where fun fact, Dominic got the first five jury votes and Wendell got the last five. I think you can maybe attribute that to a couple of key moments where Don may have lost the game there. But I think also, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. A lot of jurors say they pick up on new things when you go back and you watch the season. I think some interview or some Reddit thread set mentioned that Sebastian or Kellen, one of them said that they would change their votes after seeing the season. So you never know what, what could have happened, but that is very interesting. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting as well. And um, I mean, look, Dom is pretty much in my opinion, a lock to come back as long as they have a returning, a re- more returning player seasons. Um, second chance too. hopefully he'll be headlining that if that does happen. Um, or for legends type season, I could see him back in pretty much any returning format and especially a runner's up season like this. So it's a good mm-hmm. pick. All right. So for my next pick, yeah, I'm going to have to go with a chalk pick here also and take Russell. Um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, there's not much we need to say here. Russell is, I think one of the best players ever to play the game. Another person who made the end twice in his first two times playing back to back seasons, just like Amanda did. Um, you know, I think Russell, you know, should have won in season 19. He, you know, I, if he if he had won season 20 here as villains, I would have been fine with that also, even though it seemed to be that nobody's ever going to vote for him. Um, his social game in either game was not great at all. And that's probably, you know, his huge downfall in those seasons. But we have heard Russell and, you know, when we were on with Russell and just in also other videos that he's done without us, he said that he would change his game a lot. If he were to go back, he does cite that playing three, three times in four seasons was like a ton for him. Um, especially, you know, he had the back to back and then literally he, he played three times in a year and a half. And that's so crazy to me. Um, so yeah, I think that Russell having 10 years to reflect on his game would really help him if he did go back. And I think that he would have a lot better of a social game this time. So I'd love to see him back. I think that we will see Russell again. It seems like he's uh, really trying hard to get back on. So I'd love to see it. It's a lot of great points. I mean, we haven't seen Russell on American Survivor since um, Redemption Island. And I think that's like you talked about with Amanda, time in between your seasons helps you grow and it helps you reflect. I think that also the same thing happened to Aubrey where – Aubrey also plays three times within six seasons and she also kind of, you know, places worth each time, but also because I think she just doesn't have time to reflect on some of the game. And also she's relevant in people's minds. This is Aubrey. This is what she did. Same thing with Russell. This is Russell. This is what he's known for. Um, But I, I agree. I think Russell doesn't need to, you know, defend how great he was strategically in the game, taking the foe foe four from an 8-4 deficit to the finals, basically, in Samoa. And then, obviously, his moves in um, Heroes versus Villains speak for themselves. I do think if he picked up on what he could have improved socially, I think he could eventually win the game. And, look, we mentioned this in our last draft. Um, you can never say never anymore. After Tony Vlacos came back and got no votes against him and just dominated winners at war, anybody can come back and revamp their game. So never say never with Russell. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. Like if you were to, if, if Russell were to come back, everyone would say target on his back, he's going to be out early. Well, guess what? Every single person said that about Tony, except for half who picked him to win, but we're not going to talk about that. Every single person basically said that uh, Tony was going to have a huge target on his back, too big to win the game. And next thing you know, he gets no votes and wins the game. So again, you never know. I think Russell would do really well if he went back on. So I'd love to see that. 
Yeah. And again, really quickly, he mentioned how he had such respect for Tony for staying at camp and not going crazy for idols. And he knows himself how hard that is. I think now that Russell saw that that worked for Tony, maybe he'll do the same thing. He'll stay at camp. He'll bond socially and he won't go looking for the idols and maybe that will benefit him. Yep. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Okay. All right, my pick. I'm going to go with uh, a runner-up who I don't think we've actually had in any of our drafts yet, but I think we've mentioned her. I'm going to go with Mama C, Yeah Baby, from uh, Worlds of Parts. Carolyn kind of left at the altar after Worlds of Parts and um, didn't get to go on second chance. I think Carolyn's great. I think, obviously, Mike Holloway, you know, played a great game and deserved his win by beasting out at the end there. Obviously, he left some things to be desired strategically and socially. I, I will not you know, hold that back. I think he did mess up at the auction a lot. And, you know, if Mike couldn't have won and Carolyn was there with anyone else, I think Carolyn wins. Uh, Mama C really played a solid game. She was lauded by Shireen as a sneaky strategic player by blindsiding her ally, Tyler. She voted correctly a lot. She um, saved herself with the idol at the final six um, when Dan tried to play his uh, double vote against her. And then she also won the fire making challenge as well. I think Carolyn had a really well-rounded game. Um, I feel like now that it's been basically 10 seasons since she played, I don't know how much she would be remembered or feared. I mean, obviously people know Mama C, but I'm not sure how much they would be, you know, terrified of her, like either Dominic or Russell. So I think she could do well on a second chance through. People did seem to like her and I'm down for more Mama C. Yeah. I mean, when you look at worlds apart, and, you know, Carolyn finishing um, as a runner-up, tied second place with Will. Carolyn, like you said, voted, you know, she might not have been the flashiest player that season like Mike was. Mike definitely was overwhelmingly, like, the, the, you know, the, we, we saw him the most out of any character. We saw his game the most because he did end up winning. Um, but, you know, Carolyn, you know, did fly under the radar as a really sneaky good player. And, you know, a lot of players, I think, assume that she was just, you know, the mother figure. And somebody who, you know, was just there for an adventure, like a nice, nice person, but she really had some game. And I, and, you know, and I think that on a return, on a big returnee season like this, she would be one of my picks to go far because I think, like you said, she'd be very underestimated. Um, but yeah, she's really smart. I'd love to see her again. Yeah, I, I think, and I think the great thing about her is that we saw it from, you know, start to finish. It wasn't like the cameras didn't show her and we finally got to see Carolyn on, you know, day 20 at the merge. We saw in the first few, you know, minutes of the game, she basically said, I don't trust So Kim. Uh, She and Joaquin are scheming and she's gunning for me. I'm going to take her out. And she makes a big move at the first tribal. So she was in it to win it from the start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, another, she's one of the people that a lot of, you know, look, I personally think Mike deserved the win, but a lot of people say that Carolyn deserves the win. So, I mean, I, I she deserves to be back. And I think she would have been great on second chance, but we didn't, unfortunately didn't get to see her because she couldn't campaign because people didn't know if she won or lost. I so know, that was, it, was that, it was that sticky, sticky situation. But yeah, I, I think that she's a great pick for, for this cast. Yeah. All right. So for my next pick, I'm going to pick another recent runner up, somebody that I think, I'm pretty positive that if we want to see her back, she will like, if, if, if survivor wants her back, I'm pretty sure she'll come back. That is Chrissy Hoffbeck. Chrissy. Um, again, if, if there's no last second fire making challenge for Ben, Chrissy could easily be our last female winner. And she played a great game, great physically, great, uh, pretty great socially and strategically also. And 
yeah, I mean, I'd love, I, you know, very, very smart, Christy, another, another player who's extremely smart. I'd love to see her back. I, I think she should have won. I mean, I've kind of vacillated back and forth, you know, right after the season, like, oh, Chrissy was robbed. Yeah, but Ben had a really great flashy game, and he's like, you know, a Marine. I kind of went back and forth, but as I've gotten, you know, more into obviously the podcasting and delving into the strategy and also seeing how Ben performed in Winners at War, I, Chrissy should have won the season. I'm not going to mince words. Kind of like Aubrey and Michelle, Chrissy should have won um, Heroes, Healers, and Hustlers. I just think the way... One, she's a female challenge beast, and she's one of few people, few women who have won four challenges in one season. That's impressive by itself. But, you know, strategically, she really was in control most of the game. Her only blip on the radar was getting blindsided at the JP vote, but I think she right away got right back on top, and I think she was voting correctly a lot of the time, and... I just think Chrissy really earned her stripes as a great player. She had great confessionals about she's very socially aware. I think her, you know, obviously she's an actuary in real life. So she's really, you know, she's really calculating and thinking about the numbers and thinking about how things are laid out on the chessboard. And again, like you said, if they want her back and she wants to come back, I think it's a match made. And I really want to see Chrissy again. Yeah. I mean, I think again, if she wants to come back, I think she would be a lock for a second chance season. Um, and like you said, I would have been completely fine had she won that season. Um, a lot of people think the season was quote unquote set up, set up for Ben to, for Ben to win. I don't know about that, but definitely, you know, he, he got a lot of lucky breaks for sure. Um, especially, you know, after completely screwing up the final immunity challenge with the upside down U, and then gets his a second chance with the fire making challenge that we have never seen before that. And if that was not a thing, I uh, look, a lot of people, we, we've even spoke about it. I think Devin's a very underrated player, but I think Chrissy pretty easily wins. And like Solomon says in the chat here, I mean, Chrissy's story arc is also great. She starts out the season with like a lot to be desired and then pretty much comes on strong at the end. So I love that as well. Again, it's going back to metaphors, because we always go into like survivor metaphors. She pukes at the end of the first challenge on day three. And then I think on like day 35, she wins immunity on the top of that same platform. So it all comes full circle. Yeah. For sure. And Adam, to answer your comment, we got some unconventional picks coming. So I will promise you that. <laughs> there we go. All see right. This. Up to you, Ryan. All right. I, I, uh, Megan mentioned it in the chat earlier, but I'm going to coach. Um, I think after seeing how great Sophie played winners at war, a great debate would be to figure out going back to that season and doing a deep dive of South Pacific. If coach or Sophie should have won, Again, I think we saw a lot more of Coach in the edit, so that's why we all think Coach should have won. But again, what we saw from Sophie and Winners at War proves she's a great player. I just think Coach really evolved his game going back to Tony and Russell. I think Coach really showed that you can't underestimate anybody because you can really revamp your strategy if you put put your mind into it. And he had such a bad draw at the start of that season because he gets placed on the Blue Tribe Upolu where Ozzy goes to Savai and everyone's loving Ozzy on their tribe and the blue tribe's like, okay, well, we got coach, whatever. And he loses the first challenge, so he's even in a worse spot. But right away, coach connects with Edna. He goes, this is a vote that I can put in my pocket. He forms a night one alliance on the beach with Albert, Rick, Sophie, and Brandon. And I think he just really showed how he could maneuver through the game and have great strategy if he had room to move um it was less about the dragon slayer bravado and more about the game itself and i have to reference you know that cochran flip i just feel like 
that scene I'll never forget where Cochran's in the hammock and he's like, I've been I've been ostracized. My tribe doesn't like me. They make fun of me and coach bonds with him on such a human level of dude. I get made fun of all the time. My whole life has been a struggle of being underestimated and not liked. And I feel your pain. Listen, we're not going to flip. And I know you're a fan of the game. I don't want you to go out on a rock draw. We're not flipping. Come with us. We treat people with honor, loyalty, and dignity. And he got Cochran to flip. And that's why Upolu ran the rest of the game. His only major flaw was that he didn't own his game at the end. So, again, I don't know if Coach is done with Survivor. He might be. But I feel like Coach really proved his worth as a player that season. I've read I've read that Coach wants to play one more time. So if, we're, if we are going to see him, I would have to assume that it would be some type of legend season, and whether they call yeah. Oh, am I, am I, Ryan, did I go out for a sec? You lagged a bit at the end there, bud. All right. Yeah. My bad on that. But for what, what, what I was saying was, um, coach, you know, another player who I think we could see back because I've heard he does want to play one more time again. And, you know, I would think that that will be a legend season when we see him back. Who knows if they'll call it legends or maybe they'll do like a game changers too. Like who, who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? But uh, I think we will see coach back maybe the same season as Russell in some capacity. Who knows? Um, yeah. Coach, another player who is a, one of the best characters we've ever seen. And when we, when you create a cast, you have to have a good blend of characters and strategy. We always say it. Um, a lot of reasons why some people don't love Cambodia is because there wasn't as many human moments. I'm going to say most people love Cambodia, but there are people who said that there wasn't enough human moments and there was too much heavy strategy. Coach does provide those moments of comedic relief, you know, human moments. Like he, he's great. I mean, I, I was just, you know, I'm watching token scenes right around right now. And I mean, the, the scene where he's on exile, amazing. The scene where um, he lies about, about, you know, getting captured in the Amazon. Amazing. Like he's coach is just such an all world character. And again, like you said, he could have won South Pacific had he just owned his game more. And I think that coach having all these years off of survivors since season 23, maybe he'll be a little bit more self-aware this time and know that the reason why he lost the game was because, you know, maybe he shouldn't have preached honor and integrity at final tribal council. Maybe he should just, you know, read the room better. And if he just admitted like, yeah, I'll admit I used honor and integrity to get people on my side. Maybe not everything I do in survivors, honor and integrity, or maybe he just could have defined better what he means by honor and integrity. Like something like as if he was more self-aware, he could have won that game. And that's, that's all I mean. If he makes an adjustment to his game, I think it needs to just be self-awareness and that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, totally. I totally agree. Yep. All right. So for my next pick, all right, Adam wanted us to go a little bit more uh, unconventional. I'm going to take Wu, and there's a few re- there's a few reasons why I want to take Wu here, and why I would like to see him. I, I would I would like to see him back, and you know I know that Wu may not be top notch strategic for sure, but we all have to sit here and look and say if Wu makes one decision differently, we don't have a two time winner in Tony. We have a one time winner in Wu. And possibly Wu on Winners at War. And Tony has said multiple times, Tony has said, if Wu brings Cass, Wu beats Cass pretty easily. Because I don't think a lot of people loved Cass for sure. Um, 
So yeah, and like like you said, we're talking about runners runner up here. I think Wu has the most influential runner up in maybe the history of the game. Just you know, in, in terms of influence on the game, just because he picks Tony, Tony wins, and then Tony comes back and wears it. Warren wins, so we don't get that from Tony if there's no Wu. So while Wu obviously made a horrible decision there, he's an in, he his runner up was so influential on the game that I would like to see him back. And he did kind of get a little bit of a raw deal in Cambodia. He did go out pretty early pre-merge. Um, so yeah, I would like to see him play again. God, talking about the darkest timeline where there's no two-time winner in Tony and Wu is our winner in Kagiya. Oh, that, that was a dark timeline. But again, <laughs> we ha- we do have to thank Wu for the butterfly effect that he gave us. Um, that being said, while I can thank Wu for the, the greatness that he's given us with Tony, I... I personally feel like I got everything I wanted to see out of Wu in Cambodia. He proved that, you know, he couldn't really adapt strategically, kind of got blindsided by Vetus and got blindsided by the PG vote as well. And I just feel like, yes, he's a he's a loyal guy. If they ever did like a Heroes versus Villains 2 for like season 30 or 34 or whatever, I think obviously Wu would have been a great candidate for a hero. I just feel like I got everything that I wanted to see out of Wu, but I can still thank him for what he gave us. Yeah, I mean, look, if Wu didn't come back, I would not be devastated. But I, I think he's a great. I think he's a great. I think he's a great character, personally. So, like, I, you know, Wu. I mean, look, I'll never forget Kagi on Wu when there's the typhoon, uh, monsoon, whatever it was, and he's just jumping up and down like Survivor baby. Like I, I'm here. Like I, this is what I came for. Like he's just like he doesn't care that it's pouring rain. He's just like dancing around. Like I, I love it. I love it. But Dylan, like Adam mentions in the chat, he made critical errors. He voted for Abby Maria twice. You yeah. messed up with the Brazilian yeah, dragon. I, I don't know who I, I feel like I saw a video recently. I think it may have been on Russell's. I think it was on Russell's top hundred where Abby was in the nineties in the first video. And the way that the video was edited by Russell's, by Russell's producing team is that, I think somebody, one of the players who was talking in the video was like, don't mess, don't mess with Abby. Every single person who tries to go to Abby gets voted out. And it was like a bunch of people saying, I want to get Abby out and then proceeding to get voted out by Abby. Like it, 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 it is a legit thing. <laughs> Listen, she once famously said, you F with me, you're dead. And that's all there is to it. <laughs> all right. On to the next pick. All right. All right, so I'm going to pick Aubrey only because I saw another comment from Adam earlier where we, he mentioned Michelle. I meant no disrespect to Michelle at all. I think we've said on this podcast that Michelle Fitzgerald is, if not top three, the number one social player ever. I think Michelle is so amazing socially. Her game is so great. One of few people, again, to make it to the end twice. Not many people can say that. And she did it on a winner season. I think I was just saying that in co-wrong – and maybe the camera showed it more. I was just more impressed with what Aubrey brought to the table. I think the tie flip was one of the most game-changing moves we've seen, especially in this latter half of Survivor, where the season goes completely different if that one flip doesn't happen and Scott and Jason run the table. I feel like she's so instrumental in the strategy of Korong. She also correctly identifies Julia as a threat. That gives Michelle a number, and she takes out Julia. And I think that if she was in the end game and Joe didn't get medevaxed and she had one extra vote and maybe Michelle went out, I think Aubrey could have won that season. I think if she also won that challenge to eliminate Arjur and she had Neil's vote and she got rid of Scott's vote, she could have won. 
I just think that Aubrey played a better strategic game than Michelle, which is why I think she should have won Korong. But again, I also think Michelle is a great player. No disrespect at all. Um, I just feel like Aubrey is really great uh, strategically. And like we mentioned at the start, um, I just feel like her playing six times within sorry, her playing three times. Oh my God, six times. Jeez. <laughs> her playing three times within six seasons is a lot. And I don't think after how things ended in EOE, she'll ever come back. But if season 50 is legends or like, you know, final chance or whatever it's called and they call her and now time has passed, maybe Aubrey could come back for one last swing. And I think she could do well. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree when you're talking about great players to never win. Aubrey is certainly up there. Um, and like you said, played so many times in such a short span that she ends up going out early in Edge of Extinction with, I believe, an idol and advantage in her in her pocket. Is that true? Yeah. Right. So, very unfortunate ending for her. I hope her survivor journey does not end like that, especially with how she was in season 32 and 34. So yeah, I'd be down to see Aubrey back, bottom line. Let's do it. All right. My next pick... Tough choices. There's so many great runner-ups. Um, hmm. All right. I'm going to go more recent, and I'm going to take Dean. So, so Dean is somebody that I think – I don't want to say he got screwed by the edit, but I think the edit definitely did him dirty at the very beginning. Yeah. Did he have a slip up or two where he, you know, wanted to split votes, but had every single person there in the tribe, uh, except the person they were voting at? Like, yeah, he did. He had a few slip ups, but I think that Dean's endgame really showed everybody what Dean was capable of the whole time. And he had told us, he said, I was trying to play myself up as, you know, not a smart. I mean, D- Dean did go to Columbia. Like, I don't know if people know that. He is an Ivy League grad. He's very smart. Um, but, you know, I think that the edit played Dean up to be, you know, not not that smart and, you know, goofy. And I think that Dean purposely tried to do that. But Dean was purposely doing that to to minimize his, his, uh, his target on his back. And then once he needed to come on strong at the end, he comes on really, really strong at the end. He had a phenomenal finale to the point where, like, I was questioning whether Tommy was going to win or not. Um, so yeah, I think that Dean is somebody that we will see back if I had to guess. Um, and what better season to do it on than a runner up. So DK chilling. Um, I, I think that's a really great, uh, point though. I just feel like the jury jury had to weigh whether Tommy's, you know, social game and even keel throughout the season really mattered more, or if Dean's end game rush of, nullifier here idol here immunity here i mean obviously aaron and missy were the ones who really you know lauded his game and gave him their votes um i do feel like tommy was the rightful winner as somebody who just was great socially was never in any danger and positioned himself really well but like solomon just said dk chillen played a great fourth quarter i think dean really came on strong and i think the jury you know probably was tempted like wow dean really came on strong at the end here should we give him our votes for just going so hard but i think they just realized you know tommy really was never in any danger he was so well set up socially and strategically that we have to give him our votes um again like you mentioned the part of the game where he mentions let's split the votes where everyone's there not one of his highlights but i think (laughs) dean's fun dean's fun though 
Yeah, I, he's a great character. People like him a lot. So, Detective Dean Kowalski. <laughs> All right, to your pick. All right, give me Mike White. Will mentioned him earlier. I really think that Mike White is underrated. I mentioned this in our hot takes video a couple of weeks ago. And no shade on Nick. I think Nick is also a decent player. I just feel like Mike White is really underrated. He's such a fun character as well. I don't think I've laughed that much, you know, in recent seasons. Uh, obviously not in EOE and definitely not in IOI. But I think D- I think Mike is so funny. That scene where they're looking for the idol with Angelina in the ladder and Mike is walking around with wine in his hand and calling them all idiots is super funny. The whole season, Mike was providing laughs, but then you saw in the in the post-merge, really great socially, really strong strategically. Mike really masterminded Christian's vote-outs and Davey's vote-out. And Davey even said, even though Davey didn't do this, he said, whoever took me out, you have my vote. And Mike's like, I, I, I did that. He didn't get um, Davey's vote, but Mike really was voting correctly every step of the way. And I think, honestly, the main reason why Mike didn't win, because a lot of jurors said Mike had their vote going into tribal. And maybe this is just the case that I saw some theories that maybe because Mike's already a millionaire and he already has success, he kind of like backed off a bit. I think if he came on strong and owned his game more and was more forceful, I think the jury would have awarded him. I just feel like Nick really tried to show why I deserve the win and Mike kind of was more defensive. And maybe he kind of like let Nick take the spotlight. I think if Mike just stuck to his guns and said, I did this. I masterminded all of these vote outs and I was the key cog in all the moves. I think Mike White could have won that season. I think Mike is very underrated. Yeah. I mean, I agree. When I, when I first watched David versus Goliath, I did not think very highly of Mike. Like I, I, you know, I liked him. I didn't think he deserved to win. I thought Nick deserved to win. And I, I still think Nick probably deserved to win. But now that I look back and do some research on everything, Mike really, you know, deserves a lot more credit for his game in David versus Goliath. And, you know, we did have that recent clip. Like you said, he provided comedic relief as well. We did have that recent clip on our no context probes account. If you already, if you don't already follow it, follow it at no context probes on Twitter. It's pretty funny. Um, But where Jeff is like, I got nothing for you. And Mike is like, I got nothing for you, Jeff. So, I mean, just pretty, you know, pretty funny guy. Um, Good, good strategic player. Definitely a under the radar runner up. So it's a good pick. Ned Schneebly. All right. Thanks, Ed. <laughs> Let's see. All right. I'm trying to see. So I'm trying to I'm trying to combine like big names and under the radar winners because we know that we're not going to have like a runner, uh, not winners, under the radar runner ups because we know we're not going to have a runner up season where it's like all the big guns. We know that we're going to have some people who you're going to be like, hmm, like interesting, you know, interesting, Uh-oh. interesting runner up. I'm going to take Courtney next, even, you know, she is a bigger name and we will have more. I, I don't want to say I, I, we will have more under the radar names coming up, but I'm going to take Courtney. I think that Courtney, I don't know if she'd ever play again. I have a feeling she wouldn't play again, but we did have her in our third time to charm draft. Um, in addition, wait, let me put, we got to put season 15 Courtney on here when she was running. You have to do that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Courtney, um, a, you know, pretty huge underdog story in um survivor china it looked like somebody who didn't belong out there at all um somebody who you know wasn't really treated great by a lot of the other members of the tribe um somebody who you were really you know you really found yourself rooting for the entire game 
and did end ends up finishing second over Amanda, which I thought was pretty impressive by her, even though I think Amanda deserved it. You have to give credit where credit is due. And then comes back in Heroes Villains and doesn't really play a huge role, but is always a great character. So I love to see Courtney in a runner-up season. Courtney is an absolutely amazing character on the show. I think the fans love her. I think production loves her. And I think it goes underreported that she got no votes against her at all in China. I mean, granted, maybe you could argue, well, she wasn't worth throwing a vote on. But to get no votes and make it to the end is a very hard feat, especially when she was butting heads with John Robert the whole time. The fact that she got no votes, I think, speaks to her social game. She's very great at connecting with people because of her sarcastic, witty humor. And I think also we mentioned that if Sandra gets taken out before the merge in uh, season 20 and not Courtney... Who knows how far Courtney could have gone in that game? It's really possible she could have gone far. And um, fun fact, Dylan, did you know that Stephen and Courtney once dated back in the day? I did not know that. But, yeah. but, but it, and, you know, Stephen, we don't have him on this cast yet, but maybe he'll, he'll be up next. You don't, you don't know. But, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, preview of what could be coming. But uh, anyway, yeah, Courtney, I think something that goes very underrated about her China game is like, at first, she seemed like she was going to be a player that was a lot more emotional and you know maybe he still is but i think that you know you kind of expect her to be so hung up on john robert that she was going to keep voting john robert but you know she kind of was she kind of let that go which i give her a lot of credit for because you know if you put yourself in her shoes it was probably really hard to let a lot of the stuff go with john robert but she mm-hmm. let it go and kind of just says all right it's a game like i have to do what's best for me and maybe it's a little bit better to maybe it's a little bit better to wait a little bit and vote him out later rather than, you know, just impulse vote him out now. So I think that Courtney, you know, she's an underdog story and her strategy definitely got better as the season went on. Yeah, for sure. All right. Ryan, your next pick. Okay. I was going to save her for later because I don't think she would have gone this early, but since we're kind of in that realm of underrated or not talked about people a lot and we always can you know end strong as well but i'm gonna go with lisa welchel from philippines i like mike white i actually think lisa was pretty underrated for how well she played considering she was a big name and a celebrity i really think she was one of the few people that wanted to go for malcolm before it was considered cool before everybody wanted to take out malcolm she was the first to be like, look, Malcolm has an idol. Let's flush the idol. Let's take him out. Um, and I think she was positioned really well in the game. I mean, Malcolm and Denise came to her with a final four deal. She went to Penner to make a final three deal that he didn't take. And then Penner got voted out because of that. I just think she was really well um, positioned in the game and no one really went after Lisa. I don't think she got any votes against her actually in Philippines. And I think the key point in her game, and I need to go back and rewatch that season because I do love Philippines. The final five is where Abby gets voted out because they're all so sick of Abby. Dylan, think about a world where Malcolm and Denise go out in fifth and fourth and it's um, he who shall not be named and <laughs> Abby Maria and Lisa Welchel who wins that season. I think Lisa wins that season. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think RC votes for Lisa. I think uh, Jeff Kent votes for Lisa. I think um, Penner would vote for Lisa there. Um, I just think that even though she's a celebrity, I don't think she would ever come back i just feel like she did pretty well for you know again she also had a good social game too because scooping he who should not be named sorry that person and penner (laughs) knew her identity they knew who she was but she she worked their way to basically say you know that they weren't going to reveal her secrets and i think that she really should get more credit for how 
good she did though. Yeah. I mean, another person who you could look at and say, what a great story arc struggled a ton at the beginning and pretty completely picks it up towards the middle to the end of the game. And if she's not sitting next to Denise, who played a phenomenal game going to every single tribal council, but not getting voted out, I think, you know, she could be a winner this season. So, I mean, just given that people knew her celebrity status and she got past that, um, her other struggles at the very beginning of that game and getting to the, uh, to the, to the finals as a runner up, I think it's an underrated pick, but I think it's a good pick. And speaking of great confessionals, like that scene with Coach and Cochran in the hammock, there's a really great scene of her and Penner where she's talking about, you know, I want, I'm, I'm so cognizant of how I'm perceived as a TV star and if people will like me or not. And Penner has this great monologue, because Penner's amazing at this, where he's like, you know, who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? What's your story? And it's really like heartfelt confessional where, and a scene where she's like, I got to like open up to him. So that was really great as well. That was a pretty good Penner impression. I I I gotta give you credit there. Thank you. I like my hat <laughs> back. I like my hat back, please. <laughs> All right. For my next pick. Hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of different ways we could go here. I've been like I've been like staring down at this list all, all this entire podcast. Like I'm not I'm not like reading other stuff. I'm just like literally staring at this list and I'm like, who am I taking next? Who am I taking next? Um I'll take you know what? I'm going to give the people in the comments what they want. And I'm going to take it. Uh, we're going we're to go with another underrated player. And I'm going to take Hannah Shapiro. Um, Ooh, okay. Uh, Hannah Shapiro is somebody who I definitely could see coming back. So I want to put that out there. I don't know whether, you know, she, maybe, maybe she's somebody that gets looked over a tiny bit by the Survivor community and Survivor fans. But, you know, she was, she was pretty strategic. She knew what she was doing. I know she didn't get any votes at the end. So she ties with Ken. Um, you know, both of them lost to Adam a zero vote. She, you know, she's, she ends up being a zero vote finalist, but I think Hannah is a really good character. And I think that survivor look survivor always has their people that they like and people that you would not expect to come back that will end up coming back. I could see Hannah as one of those people. I think Jeff in the show, like Hannah, I also know she has a great following on Twitter I also know she recently started a um, separate Parks and Rec podcast with a, co- a colleague and friend of hers. Uh, maybe like SP fan says in the chat, maybe she doesn't want to play again. Um, sometimes this draft goes into what's possible, but also what our dreams are. <laughs> I do think that if she wanted to, I think the show would let her. Again, I do think Jeff in production fell in love with how quirky Hannah was as a character. And we kind of saw her thrust into the limelight early at the Mari blind side where she's at the voting confessional for... <laughs> what it felt like forever where she's taking forever to vote out Mari or stay true. And she makes a flip there. So Hannah's always willing to play a ball. So it's an interesting pick for sure. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, like, I, I don't know if I was, if I was going to choose her before I saw the comments, but now that I think about it, I'm like, all right, if you take a recent runner up, somebody who is under the radar that, you know, maybe could make a run in a, in a, in a field like this where she'll be underestimated, Pretty decent, pretty interesting pick, I would think. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll take Steven. We mentioned him with Courtney, but I would I would feel bad if Fishy got left for the end. I still stand by the fact that after seeing how JT played Heroes versus Villains and how JT played in Game Changers, Steven is owed a million dollars, honestly. I just think that Steven is a better player than JT was. Granted, JT was great physically in token chains and went on an immunity run. And obviously he was well liked socially, but Steven really had a lot of strategy and a lot of brains behind the operation. 
he was somebody who, like with Taj, helped create the cross-tribal Exile Alliance that could have worked out really well. And I think that's actually one of the reasons why we haven't seen Exile a lot since then, because I feel like it kind of broke the concept in a way. It was really interesting. Steven also uh, broke that math challenge, Dylan, if you remember where they had to yes. memorize math symbols. Yes. And he's like, well, I kind of turned them all into numbers and made them like two separate phone numbers. And I that memorized was, that, that's, that is That was one of the best comebacks I think I've ever seen in, a, in an immunity challenge. That was unbelievable. And you know what's so funny? It's like, that's brilliant. And if I was asked like on a test to figure out how I would memorize those symbols, I may have figured out, well, a phone number is seven digits because you can re remember plus or minus three with seven. But if you're deprived of food and you're in that crazy wilderness space, to think of that at that level in that depleted environment is so amazing to me. And I just feel like Steven did well in Token Chains, obviously. And then I think he still did decently in Cambodia, except for misplaying the advantage. I still think Steven could come back. Maybe he doesn't want to after that severe gastrointestinal distress. But I really love Steven Fishback. But let's be honest here. Would a guy, would a guy like Stephen Fishback really turn it down if he was called again? I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I, like I, I don't know. I, somebody, somebody as somebody who loves the show as much as him, a super fan like him, I don't know if he'd be able to turn it down. But yeah, Stephen, obviously one of the most knowledgeable. He is a notable, one of the most knowledgeable people of the game of Survivor. Somebody who played a great game in season eighteen and did not get a lot of credit for a lot of moves that he did make because JT just happened you know, just was more liked by everybody. And I truly think it's that not taking anything away for, from JT who also mm -hmm. played a great game, but Steven was, you know, strategy, 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 strategy. And, you know, and, you know, maybe, maybe that, that the JT social game was that much better than fishbacks to the point where, he, you know, he definitely did deserve to win. And I, you know, I have no problem with JT winning that season at all. I'm just fishback really fishback really did a great job in token teams. And I, I, I agree with you that he was great in Cambodia as well. Um, but he kind of got, he got, he got masterminded by another great player in Spencer. So. Yeah. All right. Back to me. All right. We got, so we got so many options here. There are some big names still up on the board. Um, Hmm. You know what? I had just mentioned, Spencer, so I'm going to take Spencer. I and thought I, for sure you did that on purpose to do a quick time. I, 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 I didn't do that on purpose, but now that I think about it, maybe I subconsciously did it on purpose. Um, yeah, Spencer, you know, I think, I don't know if he would ever play again. Um, I know that, you know, he's, he, he you know, I, I've heard different things. Like, I, I, I don't know. Um, maybe he's done playing. Maybe a little bit down the road, he will decide to come back. I think Spencer's great. I think that, you know, if we're, if we're ranking players like Russell's doing right now, I think Spencer could could fall in the top 50 of all time. Um, he was, you know, just so good in Kagayan, especially coming from one of the worst tribes, and then comes back and is really, really good once again in Cambodia. And I think that if Jeremy had, had not broke it to everybody, what that he's been playing knowing that he's going to have a son that's going to be born, I think, Steve, uh, I think Spencer could potentially get some votes at the end. Like I think that he played a game that was deserving of some votes at the end. So I, you know, I stand by having Spencer here. I think he's a great player. I would be really curious uh, to ask the jury out of the 10 of them that all gave Jeremy their votes, how many would have voted for Spencer had Jeremy not came in with that, that coup de gras and just got all the votes with the family speech at the end there. Um, 
I think Spencer maybe could have snagged one or two votes, maybe three. I just know that Cass and Savage and Wigglesworth were always going to vote for Jeremy. I think Keith was going to vote for Jeremy. I think Jeremy had so many votes locked up, it wasn't going to matter, but maybe Spencer could have snagged one or two. Um, yeah, I agree with SP fan. Out of all the people we've said so far, whether they will or won't, I think Spencer is the least likely to come back just because of everything that he kind of went through. And I think he's a great player for sure. Like Russell, he has a strategy. He has some physical elements as well. And that's why Spencer is so dangerous because even if you want to take him out, he has the capacity to win challenges. So maybe you can't take him out. I just think his biggest flaw is that he struggles socially. I mean, Kimmy and Savage mentioned in that final tribal how, you know, condescending or how obnoxious he was sometimes. But like we always say, with time comes learning. And I think if he if he did play, maybe he would have improved his social game and been more down to earth with people. But obviously playing that strong of a game in Cambodia means you're a worthy runner up for a season like this. Look, in terms of talking about whether or not people will or will not play again, you truthfully, after what we just saw in Winners at War, I truthfully think that you cannot count anyone out. And I, I really mean that. Except for people who have had problems with the law and stuff like that, who Survivor would never have on. You cannot count people out from coming back. I don't think any of us ever thought Amber was going to come back. I don't think any of us ever thought Ethan was going to come back. There's so many people that, you know, you just, you can never imagine coming back. But, you know, maybe five years from now, they change their mind. So, again, while we're trying to make a realistic cast, these are also some of our dream scenarios. So I, you know, I, I would love to see Spencer back. I don't know because of what he went through mentally, he will be back. Um, but then, you know, to, to flip back to what we were talking about, about his game in Cambodia and votes, I think that his social game really screwed him. And I don't think he was ever going to win because of his social game. Like, I don't know if he went up again, if, if Jeremy was not sitting there and let's say Kelly was, I think Kelly very easily wins. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if he's playing against somebody like Keith in the final, who knows? But I, I don't really know. I mean, just from our conversation from Kelly, it did not seem like she was – she would have never voted for Spencer's. It's as simple as that. After what happened at that, I believe it was the final final four vote where – yeah, it was the final four vote because, yeah. they, you know, after what happened with that and how condescending he was in that tribal council, I think he completely lost – he completely lost Wentworth's vote there. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was the same with a lot of other players. Once they had felt disrespected by Spencer and like, you know, once they f- were spoken to condescendingly, maybe they were just never going to vote for him. I understand that it's a game, but if he were to come back, I definitely think social game would be something that he would improve on or at least try to improve on. Yeah. I, um, no, I, I do completely agree. It's always so interesting because this cast is full of people who either could have won people who should have won or people who got second place. Cause they missed that one key factor and i'd be interested to see a world where spencer has one survivor because he possessed that final element of the social game that he was missing right all right your pick three more left uh three more left and if i'm we're trying to keep the uh gender numbers even i only have one male left and two females uh this is so hard we're gonna have a lot of people left at the altar here this is so difficult um oof Ooh. it's tough there's so many but it is it is really tough um i will go with stephanie i'll take steph lagrosa i, I feel like stephanie you know 
was almost like a Russell in a way where she played a really cutthroat game in, in, um, in Guatemala played a really devious underhanded game. And, you know, she got just lambasted for it. People were just like, you know, you lied to us. You deceived us. You broke your word. You, you, we, we were hurt. We were betrayed. We meant nothing. And I, I guess, you know, back in the day, you're looking at it like she dominated the game. Why did she not get more votes? She got one vote. And I just think that Danny was really great socially and she wasn't as, you know, cutthroat as Steph was. And it's kind of like the argument with Russell where Russell gets two votes in Samoa because he played a great game, but the majority says, we're not going to give you our votes, Russell. And it's a really interesting parallel as well that I think Stephanie should have gotten more credit for her game. Um, She's somebody who... It's funny because she's a hero in season 20 because of what she did in Palau. But if they really wanted to go off of her most recent performance, she was easily more of a villain in Guatemala. And I think she learned from Palau and said, I really need to change up my game. And I think we really saw that in season 11. I think she gets, she should get more credits. Yeah, I mean, one of the best underdog stories ever in Palau on an island by herself on Oolong. And then comes back, runner-up in season 11, comes back in Heroes vs. Villains, dislocates her shoulder before going out early. But I think, you know, one of the main reasons she did go out early is because of her threat level. Um, and I know that everybody was threatening in that season, but she's definitely up there for, you know, a lot of people were, were threatened by her, especially, mm-hmm. you know, after the games that she had played previously. And I think Steph would be a great old-school player to bring back. I don't know, again... I don't know whether she would want to play again or not, but I think that she was extremely popular. So I think it would be a good choice to bring her back. All right. I'm going to take somebody who I definitely think deserves to be taken in his cast. It's another under the radar player, somebody who was on the second chance ballot, but did not get in. I'm going to take Sabrina from. I was going to take her for my next female pick. Uh, (laughs) Nice. So, So I think Sabrina deserves a lot of credit because I, I think I, she did look she deserves a lot of credit for her game in one world because i think she's legitimately one of the players that was able to play and there was probably only you probably only get, give that to like three or four people on one world and, and she's one of them for sure um she gets votes at the end against kim and i mean the fact that she got votes at the end against probably somebody who played the great one of the great one of the top two greatest games of all time it's impressive and i think she deserves a lot more credit she's overshadowed by kim's win for sure and I think because of that, she doesn't get voted into the uh, to the second chance cast in Cambodia. But could we see her back for a second chance two season? Possibly. Could we see her back in the future in in another season? Possibly. So I, okay. I think under, under the radar player who ha- who I think deserves to be in a cast like this. I still say kind of like um, Troy Zan and Cole Pepper. Basically, if you were not chosen for the ballot on the first second chance, I think CBS should have you know, shoehorn them in onto another season just because they went through that. I do think Sabrina really deserves a second chance. I thought, like you mentioned, one of at most five good players on One World. And I also think the mark of a great player and a great character is how you deliver confessionals. She was funny in confessionals. She was really socially aware. I think also being a teacher really helps with that, being able to connect with people and being able to pick on certain things that are happening in the environment. And she really showed that. I wonder what would have happened if Kim wasn't so dominant. Would we have seen even more of Sabrina? And let's not forget, Sabrina has one of the all-time, you know, legendary 
final confessionals, kind of like when you wake up on day 39 and you have your final confessional before you go off to tribal. She has a really emotional and heartfelt confessional where it's like the sunrise and she's emotional because she's a teacher and she just got laid off from her job and she just wants to connect with her students and say, you know, just take a chance in life. You know, I, I, I am a teacher in one of the worst districts in the state that I work in. And I want to just tell these kids to go for it, take a chance, tell them what this adventure felt like, what the sand felt like, what the water felt like. And I think that was what we missed. And I know that edit was tough because they had to give a lot of time to Kim, but we really should have seen more of that from Sabrina, that she was able to deliver that emotional, um, you know, soliloquy at the end of her uh, season. So I would love to see Sabrina back. Yeah, I mean, for sure, without a doubt. And I know that you were going to take her if I didn't, so... Yeah, I, I actually, you know, it's funny. I was going to take her around when I took Lisa, but I didn't want to forget about taking Lisa. So I kind of flopped them in my mind. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. My last male pick. Oof. Okay. It's actually funny because there's some big names. Oh, God. There's, uh, <laughs> there, there are two big names on here that I, I want to take because they're really big runner up names, but. I just think this guy deserves more credits. And I feel like we we have already seen the other two guys. We might see them again. We're never going to see this guy again on one of our drafts. I want Gavin from EOE. I really think Gavin should have won EOE. I know Chris really played to the theme and he was on EOE. So he got the respect and the votes of the people that were on the edge. But like I keep saying, the mark of a great player is when you are, are positioned well, you're voting the correct way, and you're getting very few votes against you, showing that you have allies in the game. Gavin votes correctly at almost every single tribal council, except for, I think, the Victoria tribal. But Gavin gets no votes cast against him the whole season, which is very hard to do, especially in especially, especially modern Survivor where votes fly all over the place. You know, Gavin getting no votes is extremely impressive. He leads the Eric vote outs and the War Dog vote outs, and he helps with the Aubrey blind side. And he he even works out a deal with Rick Devins at the final five where Devins plays an idol on Gavin. And I just think that had EOE not existed and um, you know, Chris didn't have one of the best finales ever, I think Gavin showed that he was a really great first-time player. Um and, and again, I I picked him over somebody like you know, an Ozzy or a Colby because they were my other two male picks I was going to take, but we've already had Ozzy and Colby on our drafts before. We might see them again in our, in our later drafts, but I don't know if we'll ever see Gavin again on our drafts. So I wanted to give him his credits. Yeah. I mean, I personally, at the time I thought Gavin should have won that season. Um, I know Chris's end game was so strong. And now that we're a few years removed for that season, I, I could say, you know what? Like I'm fine with Chris winning, but had Gavin won, I would have been happy for him as well. And I think that Gavin, in a season where you had that ridiculous edge of extinction twist for the first time, Gavin is a player who plays a truly great game, you know, kind of an old school type game. Um, not like the most flashy, entertaining player, but somebody who, again, did enough where he got no votes the entire season and got to the end. And if there's no edge of extinction, who knows how it could have turned out. So Gavin, look, I need to, I need to take a guy for my last pick. Um, Gavin was one of the three I was considering. So, yeah. All right. All right. So, I, again, I have to take a male here. I'm between two. So, you obviously have a ch- have like a chalk pick I could take with Ozzy. But then again, I feel like all of us feel like we've seen Ozzy enough. 
Um, and especially with, especially with how we saw Ozzy portrayed in game changers where he doesn't really get a lot of confessionals. He's kind of just there. I don't know if survivor wants to have him back. Maybe they would rather have, you know, maybe they'd rather have some new school blood in there. So my other pick that I'm considering is Culpepper. And I know, I know, I know, I know we, we got it. We may have to, you know, honor Hef here and get, and give him Culpepper. Um, Culpepper is somebody that, you know, Culpepper is somebody that is very recent in people's minds. He's played season 27, season 34, former professional athlete, somebody who gets votes against Sarah in a season where Sarah plays a great game. Culpepper wins five immunity challenges. I'm going to have to give the nod for to Culpepper here for recency bias. I mean, I, I also just think that Ozzy's played four times, and I don't know if they would ever have him back. So I'm going to take, I'm going to give Culpepper the nod here. Um, I really, I really like Brad a lot. I don't think he deserved to win game changers at all. Um, but I'll give, I'll give Culpepper a nod. Yeah. Listen, I, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse. We talked about Sarah versus Brad a lot. Um, obviously I'm somebody who thinks Sarah definitely deserved her win for sure in game changers, but I will give Culpepper his kudos. I think he, Obviously, is a challenge beast in the five-time challenge win club. I think in the pre-merge, he was very good uh, strategically by convincing Ty to get rid of Caleb and working to get rid of Malcolm. I just think he really, at the end there, that was for half. Um, <laughs> I just think at the end there, he kind of got a little bit complacent and maybe took Ty for granted, and that's why the jury was a little shocked at how he was socially with Ty at the end there. That wasn't a great look. And, you know, he was good strategically at the start, but as we see, he kind of gets blindsided with the Debbie, Debbie vote and with the Sierra vote. So I do think the obvious argument in my mind is that Sarah should and did win game changers, but Brad, especially after his first performance deserves a lot of credit for coming back and doing what he did. Yeah. Uh, Look, obviously, season 27, he was pretty much hated, but he was such a great villain. Like, F.U. Brad Culpepper, one of the best things ever, comes back, and I think he really surprised people in, in Game Changers, especially, I know he, you know he's playing against a pretty stacked field. I know people have their opinions on Game Changers. Look, it was pretty stacked field, and he gets all the way to the end and gets votes against Sarah. So I like Culpepper a lot. I think he's a great character. I think he's great physically, and I think he's pretty good strategically as well. He's very smart. So, all right. Last pick of the whole draft. Okay. I will go old old school. I do feel like my draft has a pretty good balance, but I do want to go old school uh, for the last pick. Some people in the chat have been kind of debating of which that will be, whether it's, you know, Nalia or Twyla or Danielle. Um Hmm. I'm going to be honest. I do find Danielle DiLorenzo, you know, a fun character on the show, but I, you know, haven't, I haven't been, you know, super impressed on a rewatch with Danielle. Um, and then between Nalia and Twyla, it's tough because Twyla is a great old, old school villain. Twyla is kind of like the old school, um, you know, Rimmer where she's very blunt. Obviously she's more c- confrontational, but you know, Twyla gets into a lot of arguments. Uh, that being said, Nalia, is somebody who people wanted to come back for second chance. She petitioned really hard for second chance and she didn't get it. 
Um, and I do think Marquesas is one of the most underrated seasons ever in Survivor. A great old school season of great characters. Um, I'll give the nod to Nalia. I really think Nalia was somebody who, if she wants a second chance, like she really petitioned for, I think she can get it. I really think that um, she was instrumental in basically the fall of the row two four. If anybody doesn't remember Marquesas, essentially at the merge, there were four people from the old row two. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Danielle can be the alternate again. Poor double did. Danielle. Um, I, I, I do love Danielle though. And I do think, wasn't Danielle one of our drafts on? Uh, maybe she third was. time. She was, she, I think she was third time to charm. She right? was. So, so Danielle was in one of our drafts. I know we had Danielle cast at one point and maybe she'll show up again for like arrivals with her and Shane. Um, but I just think the Leah was one of the first ever big flips in survivor history where the row two four gets flipped on because Nalia and Pascal go with the sepia Sean and Kathy and the, and the outsiders kind of take control for once. It was a really cool flip that blindsided everybody. And for somebody that petitioned that hard to get on second chance, I think she deserves that chance. Yeah. And I mean, got to get your old school representation in there. Um, but before we head on to honorable mentions, Ryan, do you want to read off all the runner ups that were eligible that did not get taken? Yeah. So according to our criteria, like we said, no winners, you had to be second place, not third, unless you tied for second place in the final three. So that actually got us down to 43 people and you're seeing 20 of them right here. So we had to leave 23 on the side, which was very, very hard. Um, but here are all the names that were not picked. So uh, obviously the aptly named Danielle DiLorenzo, um, Ozzy, we mentioned, Twyla was mentioned, Colby Donaldson. We don't have Colby on here, but um, I think we've seen Colby a lot and I don't know if Colby would want to come back. We also have uh, the special agent, Philip Shepard, Monica Culpepper, what's in it for Monica. Uh, we also have Kelly Wigglesworth, Kim Johnson from Africa, Clay from Thailand, Matthew from Amazon, Lil from Pearl Islands, mm -hmm. Katie from Palau, Cassandra and Dreams, both from Fiji, Susie from Gabon, Chase Rice, a famous music star, He Who Shall Not Be Named from... Philippines, Sherry and Dawn from Caramoan, Jacqueline from San Juan del Sur, Will from Worlds Apart, Tasha from Cambodia, Ken from Millennials Gen X, and Dawn from Caramoan. Oh, I had Dawn on there twice. Whoops. But yeah, so th those are the 43 people that fit our criteria and the 20, um, 23 that were left at the altar. Yeah, I mean, in terms of honorable mentions, I think Ozzy and Colby um, are two people that I think most look at as very famous runner-ups um a lot of most survivor you know most even if you're not a survivor fan you know you you may know who colby and ozzy are all survivor fans know who they are um both great old school represent would be old, great old school representation in this cast but i think that due to a high frequency of both in some of our other drafts we've decided to leave them out and also because of circumstances and how they left off for example Colby and Heroes Villains, his game had declined a lot from when he first started. Um, and then, you know, he, James, James, you know, rips him as like, this is not the Colby of old. Uh, and then Ozzy, again, like I just mentioned before in Game Changers, he seemed to be, a, you know, not as big of a factor in that season as he was the other season. So I don't know. I mean, look, Survivor would bring back, I think, either one of them. 
in, especially coldly in a heartbeat. Um, but just given that we did have them on other casts as well, we wanted to diversify a little bit here. But I think that those are two honorable mentions that jump out to me. Yeah, and then I guess in terms of other honorable mentions that jump out to me, and I would love to hear what the comments have to say about the people that we left out or anybody else. Um, yeah, I actually was just going to mention Wigglesworth, SP fan. You just took the words out of my mouth. I was going to take Wigglesworth to you know honor her as the very first, um, the very first runner-up. But I just feel like we didn't get enough fire from her in Cambodia. She just didn't seem like she was in the game. She was very old school, very by the book, and it just wasn't making for great TV. I also agree with um, Will that Lil is not great, but Lil would have been super fun. And I would hope CBS mandates that she wears the Boy Scout uniform again. That has to be her (laughs) outfit. Other than that, um, I'm happy with everyone we took. Other than that, then, of course, the Ozzy and Colby picks that we couldn't have on there. Um, Someone who is interesting is Sherry. I was never going to take Sherry, but I was thinking about Cambodia. And I know how she was really not a factor in the post-merge, but I remember her... Caramoan, not Cambodia. Oh, I'm sorry, the C names. <laughs> sorry, uh, Caramoan. And I remember how much she tried to take a Boston Rob approach to the game where she was like, Shamar is my Philip. Philip's on that tribe. Shamar is going to be the Philip to my Boston Rob. And I kind of, you know, respected that she kind of saw the, the game that way. Again, I wasn't going to take her, but that was just somebody that I thought of in my honorable mentions. Um... Susie Smith lost by only one vote. Um, yeah, no, I'm honestly I'm happy with the people that we chose. Yeah, um, yeah. Looking at it, I, I I'm pretty satisfied. Also, um, I'm not anywhere near a Dawn fan at all, but I do think that she she should get more credit for Caramoan because I think she did make a lot of good moves, and I think that she definitely was working hand in hand with Cochran. I don't think it was all Cochran. I think she played a very big role. Um, so I just want to give her that credit. Um, I don't think we'll ever see somebody like Tasha back, but another underrated player. And I mean, I, I don't think she did anything special in Cambodia, despite, I mean, she did, she did get to the end and f- finished high second, but I mm-hmm. not, I, you know, not, you know, I, a very underrated player. I don't think we'll see her back though. Um, yeah. Another person that is very recent that again, I don't think we'll ever see this guy back at all but he's on the list is Ken. I, I actually thought Ken had a pretty, it called me insane. I, th- I thought he, I thought that, that, look, I know Adam came on pretty strong at the end, but there was a while where I thought Ken had a decent chance to win that season. Um, So again, I don't think we'll see him back ever, but just, just an under, underrated person that's not ever talked about ever. <laughs> yeah. Ken is somebody who's interesting because, and again, I, I need to go back and rewatch Millennials Gen X. I watched it obviously live at the time, and I think I watched some clips afterwards, but I haven't seen it since twenty. Uh, what year would that have been? Like twenty fourteen or twenty like thirteen? No, twenty um, later than I was in twenty sixteen. I think I think twenty sixteen actually. Yeah, I think I was. That was yeah, that was my first semester of college, Millennial Gen X. So fresh. Okay, yeah, twenty sixteen. Um, yeah. So I think that Ken is interesting, but I think his two biggest flaws was that one. Ken is somebody, it's interesting, he's a male model, but he's somebody who is described as not being able to connect with people. He's very reserved and very keep to himself. He doesn't make those connections, which I think really hurt him. But two, I think he fell into the woo trap where you he preaches, like, I'm a, lo- I'm a loyal, I, I can't do a deep Ken voice, but he's like, I'm, I'm a loyal guy. I'm loyal. I'm going to stick to my word. I'm not going to backstab David. 
and then he votes out David. I think you can't like go with that mantra and then betray that mantra at the last second when it's convenient to you. Um, so I feel like those were Ken's two biggest flaws. I don't know if the audience really connected with Ken, but he's interesting for sure. Yep. And I, other than that, I think we pretty much hit on all the names here for sure. Yeah. I, I really like this cast a lot. I'm happy to see what people have to say about it. Um, for sure. Now we don't have a draft yet set for next week. Again, like this is like, like last week runner up was our most requested thing our most requested topic for this week, our most requested draft. So we decided to do it. Same thing goes for next week and probably the week after we'll have to see, but definitely next week for sure. Same thing goes. What do people want to see next week? Either, you know, you could DM us, you could write in the comments right now. You could tweet at us, whatever you want. I want you guys to let us know what we should do next. Two things that we are considering is a rival season and a duo season, something along the lines of that for our next draft. Um, But yeah, any, any ideas you have, let us know. Uh, we're down for a lot of creative stuff also. People have thrown out the idea of doing a purple edit type season. Like, I think that would be really interesting. Something like pre-merged boots, another interesting one. Throw throw anything at us. Leg- Legends. Legends we will do eventually. We're not doing that yet, but we will do Legends eventually. Brains, Bronze, Beauties. Uh, Brains, Bronze, Beauty, also good. Yeah, so we have a lot of great ideas. If you think of anything else great, be sure to throw it over to us and we'll consider it for next week. Um, if you don't follow us on all forms of social media, go for that. Follow us on Twitter at soul survive at soul survivor pod, Instagram at soul survivor pod, and be sure to like this video and subscribe to us on YouTube because it helps us out a lot. And I know I mentioned it before, but something that we did recently create on Twitter was our no context, Jeff Probst account, which is really funny. We post a bunch of funny Jeff Probst videos almost every day. Um, and if you have don't already follow that, be sure to follow it at No Context Probes for some great videos, pictures, and memes of Jeff Probes. Anything else you want to add, Ryan? Now I missed the plug-in where I could have done the uh, coach using all that life experience in a kayak for the coach pick. We missed the uh, the plug-in there for that. Um, but no, otherwise, I'm again, like you said, I'm looking forward to hearing what the fans want to see for the next draft um obviously like we always mentioned this is going to be a long off season so we have time for a lot of drafts we have time for a lot of discussion videos other things that you guys want to see in terms of content um but no i enjoyed doing this cast and i had nothing else yeah i mean I, look i i want to also say i appreciate all the comments that were rolling in all night tonight it was yeah. a lot of fun interacting with everybody and the more interaction we have, the more fun these are to do. So keep it coming and we will have another draft for you next week. Yep. And as always, we have nothing else for you. So grab your torches and head back to camp. Good night.